0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 10th of November, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with Mike Rauber, and with all the latest on currencies and metals, I'll be getting our usual Friday update from Tim Gagey. The first up is Mike with the market news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Helen. So, the S&P 500 ended an eight-day winning streak yesterday, falling 0.8% after a sharp rise in Treasury yields. What more can you tell us, Mike?
1: Yes, uh, Helen. It was a down day with all 11 S&P 500 sectors in the red, uh, with the weakest being healthcare and consumer discretionary. Notable movers were Tesla, down 5% on a bearish analyst call, but Walt Disney rose almost 7% on a stronger outlook. U.S. equities were lower on a weak sale of uh, 30-year U.S. Treasury bonds that saw yields rise as much as 22 basis points uh, to 4.76% at one point. And the two-year yield climbed above the psychologically important 5% level after Federal Reserve Chairman Powell gave a somewhat hawkish speech Uh, He stressed that policymakers will be cautious in their rate decisions, potentially leaving the door open for higher rates. And you know, Helen, that's somewhat at odds with many investors who have concluded over the past two weeks that the central bank is done raising rates.
0: Okay, so was he siding with the camp then that say higher interest rates are needed?
1: Of course, uh, he would not commit himself in the speech. But uh, I would also like to highlight that he noted that policy at the moment is probably quite restrictive for the economy. And this would suggest that it will take a lot to raise interest rates. And just yesterday, our group CIO noted that we do not believe that the US and global economies have changed to such an extent to make interest rates above 5% sustainable. And so against this background, Rob, it is also probably wise. Uh, he notes that it is uh, to lock in some yields with longer term quality bonds right now.
0: And if the moves in the U.S. Treasury market weren't enough, there was also a cyber attack. What more do you know about this, Mike?
1: Yeah, it's Quite remarkable. The U.S. unit of China's industrial and commercial bank was hit by a cyber attack, as you noted. Uh, it left it unable to settle trades in U.S. Treasuries electronically. And this forced the bank to use a messenger with a thumb drive to send settlement details to counterparties in order to keep the market functioning. Uh, Pretty incredible.
0: And even though there was a jump in treasury yields yesterday, high yield companies have used the lower yields in recent weeks to raise more money, right? What details do you have here?
1: Yes, US corporates have taken advantage of the fall in bond yields over the recent weeks to sell more than 6 billion of high yield bonds this month, uh, only in the first few days. And this takes the month's to date supply to its highest since early May. But it also seems that some investors are already looking for opportunities as weak companies struggle to fund themselves at the higher rates. So the well respected hedge fund Elliott is said to be in talks to raise as much as 7 billion to target distressed credit trading opportunities. I might add, uh, this is according to a Bloomberg report.
0: Let's talk about the Siemens energy story now. So over in Germany, the renewable company is still in the headlines because the faults in thousands of wind turbines have left the company with a huge repair bill. The company is expecting a net loss of 4.5 billion euros this year.
1: Yes, as you know, Helen, the company is seen as critical to Germany's transition to renewable energy. So the news yesterday was that the German government, Siemens and other stakeholders were in talks to cover billions of euros in projected related guarantees for Siemens energy. Although the latest reports uh, that I saw this morning are that these negotiations are still ongoing. So I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: Okay, yeah, let's see what happens there. Um, What about markets in Asia this morning then? How are they doing?
1: So shares in Asia are lower on Jerome Powell's comments with all major equity indices in the red. Uh, Hong Kong stocks, they are among the biggest losers after a weak profit report from chipmaker SMIC and also casino operator Win Macau.
0: And any other large moves in markets to mention?
1: Just quickly, crypto assets are seeing some big rises this week as there are growing expectations that in the US the SEC will approve exchange traded funds. Backed by bitcoins rather than just future contracts. Uh, this is overall giving a big boost to the broader crypto c- complex. Uh, just to give you an example, Ethereum uh, got a shot in the arm with the news uh, or with the expectations, I should rather say. It is up more than $200 in the last two days to over $2,100 this morning.
0: Right. And just finally, then, Mike, what about the day ahead? What can investors expect today?
1: So we already had the UK GDP data or overall their economic uh, reports and it showed a better than expected monthly rise in GDP of 0.2%, uh, construction spending surprised positively, but I also see that private consumption dropped in the third quarter. Uh, but this is just the figures I could take uh, initially. Uh, and later on today, we will get the University of Michigan sentiment figures. There, the focus will be on whether inflation expectations in the U.S. remain well anchored. So I guess the inflation debate will continue this afternoon in the U.S. And with that, back to you, Helen.
0: Great. Thanks very much, Mike, for the roundup this morning.
1: Thank you, Helen.
0: Now, Tim, good morning to you firstly and welcome.
2: Thank you, Helen. Good morning to you too.
0: So I think this week seems to have been a little bit quieter. Was it the same for you?
2: Yeah, it was. It was indeed uh, a bit quieter. It's been quite a weird week. The market has been moving, but nobody really seems to want to do anything, which is a bit frustrating for us. It does feel to me like we are a bit stuck in between geopolitical concerns, which drives some demand for the dollar, of course, and falling rates, well, up until yesterday anyway, and an element of getting used to the geopolitical worries like we always do which ought to drive some selling pressure for the dollar. This leads to what we have seen, which is rather a push-me-pull-you situation, and like the good doctor himself, the market seems to be inclined to do little. We also had very little in the way of helpful data. After the disappointing non-farm payrolls of last week, the next one, I suppose, is next week's uh, CPI. But like most of these things, it is probably most likely to be a bit of a non-event. As an aside, it was intriguing to finally see last week a piece of U.S. data below expectations. It feels like the person who was actually competent at predicting U.S. data accurately came back from her holidays and fired the intern. So hopefully now we get at least some more useful predictions for the next pieces of data in America.
0: Okay, so the dollar weakness that you anticipated last week hasn't really materialised yet, right?
2: No, not really. Eurodollar is a touch higher than this time last week, but the surge to 107.50 or so is a bit of a false dawn. Same story in cable, really, where we went all the way up to the 200-day moving average at 124.35, at which point my colleague Stefan said, I think this will probably hold here. And I replied, no, no, I should test 125 now. So moral of the story is listen to Stefan. Nonetheless, I do still think that we will see such news before too long. I hold on to my belief that the dollar should and will get a bit weaker. However, as I did suggest last week, a bit of patience might be needed. So maybe the second moral of the story is I should listen to myself. For what it is worth, we just had UK GDP coming in more or less as expected, which is reassuring. But on the dollar side, there's not really so much on the, on the slate for the, for the time being. So I suspect we will just get pulled around by US rates and any eventual changes in the geopolitical situation.
0: And what about gold? I think you were a bit concerned about that last week. So what are you seeing now?
2: Yeah, I was concerned. My worries about gold were driven partly by an expectation that US rates would actually drop a bit more and risk appetite would therefore increase. But also, it's by what we saw already three times over the last few years, which is that gold only really performs its safe haven function right at the start of a period of stress. I know Carsten spoke about this also earlier in the week. At the start of COVID, the start of the Ukraine war, and when Silicon Valley Bank threatened to blow up, we saw gold fly up to above 2,000. But each time it did not stay there. And with zero yield, if you did not sell, didn't really get anything out of the moves. Likewise, this year, when Hamas conducted their terrible attack, gold shot up as we might have expected. But we are already back to 1950. There's a major support coming in at 1935, but I still think gold ends up more like 1850 or so. And I would prefer to use any rallies towards 2000 as opportunities to either lighten up positioning or use something that generates yield, short call or reverse convertible, something like that.
0: Okay, and as usual then, to finish with, I want to ask where you see the opportunities
2: at the moment. Yeah, three areas I can see. One is indeed to go a bit against this dollar strength. I would look at euros, sterling, Aussie dollars and Canadian dollars, all of which present quite attractive entry levels right here. I wouldn't overdo it, though, if you already have taken such a positioning. As usual, I love long pounds against Swiss franc. This 4% carry remains very generous. And despite a dip to 108 or so last month, bit the same story as we saw in gold, really, we are back again to above 110, about 110.50 right now. Well inside the range of 110 to 115, which has been there for the last year. So the trade, to me, definitely still makes sense. Lastly, I cling on to my positive view on platinum. We are right on a major support here ahead of 8.50. I think it should hold. It's really quite low. And we should get back to 1,000 eventually, so I would prefer to be long there. I think that's enough for today, Helen. It's nice to have you back. Thanks for the chat. Thank you also, as always, to the listeners. And have a great weekend when it finally arrives.
0: Excellent. Thanks very much, Tim, for sharing your latest thoughts with us. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning. And thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback do join us again next week. I'll be back on Monday talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now.
2: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.
1: Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.